Well, welcome to the Connecting with God class. If you didn't think this is what it was, too late. The doors are locked. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Wes and I are from the Tulsa group. Usually, usually we just say we're the old bald man, but I don't think that applies. Or it applies, but I don't, you know, everybody's going to be like, which one, you know? So, um, well, Wes can... Uh, Lead us in a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Yeah. Dear Father God, thank you so much for bringing us here today. We just ask right now that you open our eyes and open our hearts to you and um, to what you have to say to us about connecting with you and uh, what that looks like on a daily basis, Father. And uh, it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So what's this? iPhone 10. Well, okay. Generally, what is this? It's a phone, right? So what do you, what do you use it for? Taking selfies and dying, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So according to the Pew Research Center, in 2018, 77% of all Americans own a smartphone. And 28% of people ages 18 to 29 are entirely dependent on smartphones for their access to Internet. And not only that, but 77% of Americans access the internet daily, on a daily basis. So think about that for a second. That's three quarters of the American population, or 252 million people who, who access the internet every day. So then, why do we feel so disconnected from the people around us then? And Naomi and I get, we talk to people all the time, and they're always like, well, I can't connect with that person. We're just too different. Or, well, I'm an introvert, so I can't make connections. Right? You guys have heard that probably before. You've said that. I know I've said that. And, and that's bogus because, you know, maybe if we got off of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram for a while, we would learn that there are actual human beings just like us who want connection. And, and Scripture shows us that connection with people is crucial to connecting with God. Okay, so what does connection look like? And how would someone know that you have real connection? What, spending time with someone, communicating with them, intentional sacrifices, you know, actions that in the end, the other person knows that they're valued and, you know, they mean something to you. So what comes to mind for you guys when you hear um, real connection? Just feel free to... Face-to-face, okay. Okay. Anything else? Quality time. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think the you know, real emphasis should be on real connection. Because with real connection, there's eagerness involved, and it's not just a, you know, something we do out of obligation, right? So to help us to relate a little more to this real connection that we're talking about, we're going to look at a couple of pop culture examples. Okay? All right. And the first one is T'Challa, the Black Panther. Right? And he, he had just lost his father. Okay, spoiler alert. He just lost his father. And, well, you got in a movie before this. But he's learning how to actually connect with his father in a different way. And so we're going to watch this clip, and then we're going to talk about it. Oh, you couldn't hear it, but hopefully you could read the subtitles at least. Um, I'm sure most of you have seen the movie. Yes? Yeah? Okay, well, all right. So... What kind of connection 
did you see there between T'Challa and his father? What kind of connection did you see? The what? A good one, okay. Very honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Respect. Yeah. Uh-huh, go ahead. Yeah. Just more of like a deep interconnected, like they've known each other for however long, you know, and they just kind of know each other so well that they can just talk to each other about anything. Yeah. yeah. He was willing to be vulnerable, you know, and share that he was afraid and that he needed help. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that's one type of connection. The next example is, maybe, there we go. All right, is, yeah, Leslie and Ron from Parks and Rec, right? Okay, so this picture is perfect because you have Leslie who knows everything about everyone's and everyone's lives, right? But then you have Ron who sits here just like this, and he's like, well, I don't want to connect with anyone. But in reality, if you watch the show, he actually has a very deep and loyal connection to his friends and those around him. And I think it's really, their dynamic, you know, throughout the whole series is a really cool way of connection, not only between them, but connecting with others. And the last example is a type of connection that we don't necessarily want to have. And it's a connection where um, ideologies got in the way of relationships and friendships. And, and I don't think anyone wants to be in a relationship like that, right, where you're always clashing and butting heads. And we included this because we think not only is it important to know, you know, the positive connection that you're looking for, but also to be able to identify the red flags of, mm, this is not, this is not a good relationship. Right. And that is Captain America and Iron Man. <laughs> okay. So the question becomes, how do we take some of these ideas and apply them to connecting with God? Yeah. And I think, I think for me personally, one of the reasons why I was asked to teach this class is because I greatly struggle with this idea of connecting with God. It, the struggle is real. And I get so bogged down in day-to-day -day life, especially with work, that I forget to you know, pray constantly to him, to go through my Bible. I just push it off, you know, off to the side. And I, and I don't rely on him as my source of strength to get through the day instead of me. Right? I'm just like, I got this. And that's not the way it's supposed to be when we're trying to connect with him. And I constantly choose not to rely on him and his people. And that's going to be a pretty big theme of what we're going to talk about. And so this really hinders how I connect with him. So I was asking myself, self, how do I, how, how am I supposed to treat God? And what is this relationship supposed to look like? Because he's my father, but... I don't know if I really want the same type of relationship with him that I had with, you know, that I've had in the past with my father here on earth. And so it just kind of raises those questions, right? And I think we all can relate to those in some way. So, but this is how I wrapped my head around this idea of connection. And that's the concept of bride and bridegroom. And you see this come up in Hosea chapter 2 and again in Ephesians 5. You know, we are the bride of Christ. And God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to this earth to be our bridegroom. So think about that concept and, and see you know, how it can apply and apply it to your life. Okay? And I, and I got to thinking about when I was really pursuing my wife. And you know, I remember wanting to spend time with her. I remember wanting to pursue her and make sacrifices for her. I remember 
when we first started dating, and one of the first things she told me, she said, look, I have my relationship with God, and I'm studying for a master's degree right now. I'm not going to let a relationship get in the way of that. And so I said, okay, well, all right. But, but I took so more studying yeah, some, yeah, right. is what Wes had to be like. Yeah. He was in law school at the time, and so he was... He was learning to adjust from um, undergraduate into law school, and I don't think studying was his strong suit. So, but so it's but instead of going on these traditional dates that I wanted to go on, that I thought were you know what we should be doing, we went on study dates, and we learned more about each other. We went and we got dinner at Chipotle, and we did all of these things together because I knew that I wanted to spend time with her and you know learn more about her. And like Naomi was saying. She got a lot of studying in, but I don't really think I did because most of the time I was just like, oh, pretty girl, <laughs> you know, spending time with her. And, but I took the things that she said seriously. And I think that that's really important because I, I learned what was important to her. And I learned that a relationship is not just a one-way street, right? It's a two-way street where you have back and forth communication mm -hmm. with one another. And, you know, now that we're now that we're bride and bridegroom, you know this relationship is supposed to be an example of the type of relationship that we're supposed to have with God, our Father. Okay, and and I say this because of the greatest command. And it's Matthew twenty-two verses thirty-six through thirty-eight. And this is Jesus. He's he's talking to the Pharisees, and they're trying to catch him in a trap, right? But this is Jesus, so he knows what he's doing. So he says, they say, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So, this has to be the center of everything we do when we're connecting with him. We have to keep this in mind. Okay? So, ask yourself, how do I pursue God? Do I spend time with him? Am I communicating with him? Can he tell that I love him? I think that's really important. And a tangible way of looking at this, at least for me, was that this pursuit should look like how I pursued my wife. And I know it sounds cliche, but is it Facebook official? Can people actually see that you love God? The bottom line is whether or not we are in an unrelenting pursuit of a deeper connection with him. And this concept isn't only applied to marriage relationships. It's also applied to all relationships in our life. So as Wes and I were preparing for this class, there was a question that kept uh, coming up as we were thinking about, like, in reality, are we, are we truly connecting with God? And this question is, is it that we really struggle with connecting with God, or is it that we don't even put in the effort? You know, are you one of those people that has a reputation of being alive, but you're really dead? For example, are you the person who has a reputation of being pure, but in reality you're living in sexual sin with others? Are you the person who marks, you know, off your checklist Sunday, cross chat, event, but in reality on the weekend, you're going out partying, getting hammered, and just repeating the same cycle? Or maybe you're the person who is known for being the you know, cheerleader, the 
um, uplifter, someone who reminds someone of scripture, but in reality, you know, deeply rooted, you're full of, you know, judgment, anger, perhaps envy and disgust because you're constantly comparing yourself with other people instead of God's word. You know, at the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves, where do I stand with God? And in reality, God knows the type of relationship we have with him, whether or not we're dead to him and alive to the world. We're not fully. Right. And society, especially today, says, you know, you need to think about what others think about you, what, what your reputation is. But our reputation on earth really should mean nothing to us. And yes, it's easier said than truly believed and lived out. But guys, that can't be our excuse. Um, you know, I want you to think introspectively for a bit. When are you going to stop living in denial of where you really are? Of the changes in your life that need to happen? Um, do you need to admit that you've been stale in your relationship with God and you feel stuck? And those questions are pretty heavy. And Wes and I don't want you to leave here feeling like you've been pushed five feet under the ground, but to be encouraged because God will forgive you of anything. But before that can happen, you've got to get real with him. You know, is there a heart and life change? Where, where are you in terms of turning your life around? You know, have you thought about repentance? You know, are you dealing with the anger and envy that is living with inside you? Are you choosing to recognize that harboring that bitterness is only, you know, disrupting your relationship with other people and in turn you're hating always being around people or do you realize that, you know, that partying on the weekend is not healthy for you and you're only you know, creating a bad example for other people as well. What should be driving us is believing that it's not about here and now, but it's about after. So then, how do we connect with God? We connect with God through humility, humbling ourselves in the presence of God. And in John chapter 3, we see here Jesus and his disciples had just come into Jerusalem, and now they're having... What would... Oh, John 13. Oh, what did I... Sorry. John 3. Oh, sorry. John 13. Yes, sorry. sorry. Not John 3. Um, and now they're having what would later be known as the Last Supper. And Jesus begins to wash his disciples' feet. This ultimate act of service, right? And especially then, but I think even now, because let's be real, who wants to wash somebody's funky feet? Um, it's, My feet are beautiful. I just want you to... My feet are maybe, beautiful. maybe. But think about, you know... Um, whatever their feet were exposed to, dirty, gross, calloused. And somebody not only was washing their feet, but they were getting on their hands and knees and scrubbing them and making them clean. And that was kind of the lowest of the low job at the time. So we get to verses 6 through 9, and Peter has this discussion with Jesus where he humbles himself in the presence of Jesus. And because of that, he's able to connect with God and experience something I'm sure that he never forgot. And I love this scene because you see humility on both parts. Can you imagine what was going through Peter's head at the time? You know, I feel like if I were in Peter's shoes, I'd be like, okay, I've been living with this man for three years. He's healed people. He's brought people back from the dead. He's confronted the Pharisees. I mean, like some mic drops moments, right? Um, I'm not going to let him do this. Like, I, he's my mentor. I look up to him. There's no way I'm going to let him get on the floor, you know, who knows what conditions, and wash my feet. Like, no. But 
It was then when, it was when Jesus tells him, unless I wash you, aka connect with you, you have no part with me. And at that point, you know, like, Peter has this light bulb moment, and he's like, ah, okay, I get it. I get it. I, I need you. I need to let you do this. Um, and then Peter says, okay, wash, wash you in my hands and head Jesus. Yeah, and what a cool scene that is, right? And so part of humility is also knowing that your relationship with God is really your relationship with God. And, you know, what I mean by that is because of culture, we sometimes get so caught up in, well, my parents do it this way or did it this way, right? Or that's the traditional way to do it. And we're not saying that you only live your faith alone by yourself because that, obviously, that goes against everything Scripture teaches. But let's look at John chapter 4. Jesus encounters this Samaritan woman at a well, and he, and, he tell, and he shows her who he is, right? So think about that scene. This Samaritan woman had at least two things going against her. One, she was a woman, and two, she was a Samaritan. And at the time, women were, were basically ignored, kind of pushed to the side, and Jews and Samaritans did not associate with each other, period. You know, that was, that was a very traditional way of this was down the middle. We don't talk to each other. But Jesus came up to her, right? Jesus came up to her. And, and she knew that this encounter with him was something that she could not keep to herself. So she went back to her town. And she shared that story with those around her. And because of that, many people came to believe in Jesus. Samaritans. That's, that's huge. And Jesus heard about that. You know, he, he obviously knew that was going on. And so he went to that town, and he spent a couple of days there. And, not, and because of that, even more people came to believe because of what Jesus, his own words, to them. So these examples show us that no matter what someone stands up and says, nothing should take the place of us sitting down and truly connecting with God through his own word. You know, how many times even since you guys have entered this room have you been on your phone checking Facebook, you know, looking at your emails? I mean, I don't know, looking at BuzzFeed even? Be present, you know? Be be present so that we can connect God, because if not, then, I mean, what are you doing here, right? Right. And I think, uh, an, mm-hmm, sorry, ahead. off the fly a little bit. I think another good example of this is the Bereans, right? They, they didn't take what Paul said for granted, right? They took mm-hmm. it and they studied scripture and they really, they looked to see what he had to say and know whether or not it was true, right? And so they studied scripture every day to learn that. And because of that, so many people, not only Jews, but Greeks and Jews came to believe because of that. That's huge. So we connect with God through humility, and coupled with humility is faith. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we are presented with a list of people who had great faith. And it is in those times of great faith where they deeply connected with God the most. And we see men like Samson and Gideon, men who were not consistent at all um, in being models of faith and by any means perfect, you know, with Gideon, known as being a coward, Samson did all the things wrong, um, breaking his vows, and, uh, but in the end, they were mighty warriors. Literally. Right. And then you have Abraham, good old Abe. I feel like he would allow me to call him that if we were (laughs) friends. Um, But what's important to see with him here is the faith it took for him to leave what was certain 
for something that was uncertain. And how many of us can relate to that? Leaving something that is certain for something that is uncertain. Mm -hmm. And I think about back to even, and this is, you know, shows where my priorities were, but I think back to when I moved to Tulsa even, and originally I moved to Tulsa to pursue my master's degree, and so much in my life was up in the air, uncertain. Um, I moved there for a degree, but God had bigger plans. Um, and even though I just kind of on the fly decided to move to Tulsa, he had something greater. The, the uncertainty for me was certain for him, and his plans were way better than I could have ever imagined. So Abraham, you know, spent the rest of his life on this journey with that mindset. And it's important for us to realize that while each of these men had imperfect faith, they're mentioned in Hebrews to be a great encouragement to us. And this is the kind of faith and perseverance that it takes for us as well. Because, you know, God desires to connect and to use us. We just need to have that faith. And and I think, too, it's... you know, when we're following, when we're following Jesus, it's like you know, get ready for those hardships. Right. right? Like, yeah. Buckle up, because it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult when we're trying to make this connection with Him. Right. And Christ even says in Scripture, you know, like there will be problems. Like life's not going to be a cakewalk. You will encounter issues, and so He's preparing us by telling us. But we shouldn't be fearful because through those problems and those those great trials, that is when we're going to be developed even greater. And, you know, walking with God and being obedient, we will then, you know, be extremely fulfilled. Right. It's like, whom whom shall I fear, right? Because you have the God of angel armies on your side, Mm -hmm. right? There's nothing to fear. But I love, I love these examples of Gideon and Samson and Abraham because I feel like I connect with them, right? I don't know about you guys, but it's like, I, I read those stories and I'm like, yeah, I was there at one point. You know, or I'm there now. And, and I think that that's, you know, it's really, you know, it's important for us to see those connections, you know, putting ourselves in those people's shoes. So we connect with God through faith, and we connect with God through humility and submission. You commit to him not to sin. And we see in, in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 19, that if we really do love him, this will be, a, submission will be a natural response from us. And, you know, not only that, but Romans 6 tells us that, you know, when you have that Holy Spirit inside you, you're no longer a slave to sin, but you're a slave to righteousness. And because of that, you know, as believers, we have to connect with God. It's not an option. Not an option. So let's be honest with ourselves for a minute. You know, there have, been, there have likely been, you know, multiple times. I know I've been there. <laughs> Guilty where you've chosen to live this, you know, to live in a life of sin while you have that Holy Spirit inside you. And whether you admit it or not, you know, life probably didn't go too well for you then. And because it didn't for me. And, you know, we hear that, sorry, Carol, that Carol Stringfellow phrase in, in our minds, you know, how's that working for you? Right? Ugh. One of the, ugh, one of the, Piercing. Piercing right, questions, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's like... Because it's so true. I don't know. Not very well. So, but, and, and, you know, and we see this all the time because culture tells us that it's okay. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Culture tells us that it's okay to just live this life, right? You do you. Or, you know, YOLO. I mean, I think the cool kids, they still say YOLO, right? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not cool, so I don't know. 
but or a kid or a kid or a kid I guess I'm not a kid I am cool I'm not a kid but uh, you can't you, you can't do that you can't it's so hard to, to, to have this kind of dual this dual life right it's so hard you know you feel guilty 24 7 and you feel like you have this this weight oh, it's just crushing you because you're so hyper aware of the sin that you're living in but yet you don't want to give it up you want to hold on to it keep it keep it mind it's my sin but holding on to sin equals a miserable life because you're not fully committing to God we can't go back and forth between this worldly life and being with God. And 1 John 1, 5 through 7 tells us this. And it says, This is a message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us of all sin. And because of God's holiness, God literally cannot be in the presence of sin. But he sent Jesus to act as our pioneer, going before us into the throne of the Father, right? But we have to choose to follow him in. And we do that by committing to him not to sin. And it's, it's through this commitment commitment to him that we know we are commissioned for him this is something we're supposed to do and matthew 28 18 through 20 tells us this then jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you and this is the part don't be afraid because and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Something I love about that, as many of us know, that's called the Great Commission. And I grew up in church, but not until maybe a year and a half ago, two years, um, was I uh, shown, you know, commission, co-mission. I feel really naive for never picking up on that, but, you know, what an encouragement it is for us that, you know, co like we're not meant to do this alone like god clearly says right there like i'm with you i will you know come with me um and that's such a relief to know yes he calls us to think great things but we don't have to do it alone you know he's with us and we have our people too right so up to this point you know we've incorporated some personal examples tangible um examples that fit into our society today and you know, you probably see that uh, that theme, and that's because around, you know, family vacation, um, that's because we want you to be able to take home all these points that you've learned over the weekend and with these real tangible tools to be able to apply them when you get back home. And, you know, Wes and I seriously um, and sincerely want you to choose a life with God and to help you once you get back home um, be able to know, like, okay, I, I really intentionally want to connect with God, but I'm kind of like, you know, w what are some actions that I can really do this with? And so we came up with our triple P's, 
Um, and that might sound super cheesy and funny, but you're going to remember it, okay? So, and I almost feel like I need to do this, like, triple P's X Factor thing, like, <laughs> or um, I was thinking that Law & Order, do you guys even know what Law & Order is? Either you don't know good TV or we are old, <laughs> but the dun-dun-dun, you know, thing. Anyways, off, you know, rabbit trail. Um, so we have prayer, people, and practice, and... Prayer, in Psalm 51, we have David, a man after God's own heart, praying and pleading with God to lead him away from the sin he had just committed with Bathsheba. And here, in verses 10 through 12, he's talking about these two different spirits, the Holy Spirit and his own spirit. Notice big S, little s. And just like David, our own spirit cannot be renewed within us without the power of the Holy Spirit and really connecting with God in that moment when we're praying and we're pleading with him. And I think no matter what type of prayer, whether it's on our hands and knees or if, you know, it's just a general daily prayer, if it's a prayer while, you know, for me, I always like to take the opportunity of while I'm on my commute to work for my prayer time with God, one that allows me not to focus on the uh, ignorant drivers, but then also, no. Um, not to cut those people. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also just to um, have that moment before I get to work and my day gets started, hustle bustle, um, to really be with God and to feel his presence. Um, and, you know, when we are in prayer, remind yourself that that is a moment of deep connection and that we have the Holy Spirit's power. And it's okay to, you know, ask for love, joy, peace, patience. You know, I can sing the Fruit of the Spirit song for you if that will help, but um, <laughs> Brent is saying yes <laughs> later. Uh, but we have the access uh, to the Holy Spirit extended to us, and we need to utilize that, guys. You know, like, the point of the Fruit of the Spirit is, you know, we obviously don't have those qualities, or that's, it's really difficult to ask for those things. And it makes a world of a difference when we say, God, like, I need that patience. I need that love. This person is being difficult to, to be around. Or, you know, I'm, just, I'm struggling with this. I need this Holy Spirit. And I really want to challenge you this, you know, as you go home, to start being specific in your prayer and saying, like, this is what I need, God. And besides just recognition of, like, your your faith in that he will provide that for you i mean it's gonna you'll be amazed at how your day your week goes along yeah, for sure you know in, in order to have that kind of deep prayer connection that david had with god you may have to develop a plan to have quiet time with him right i know this is this is something that i have to do and you know when it's when it's something that's this important you make time for god you don't treat it as something like, well, if I have a little, you know, five minutes here, you know, I'll take the time to connect with him. No, you make the time because it's that important. And, you know, I have to look at my daily schedule and, you know, for me, it means getting up at 5 a.m. because I know that once work starts and the day begins, there's no stopping until I go to bed. So I don't know what that looks like for you, but for me, that's what I have to do. And... You know, go somewhere where you can really disconnect from everything else. Don't bring your smartphone. Don't bring your tablet. Don't bring your laptop with you when you're trying to connect with God. You don't need those things, right? Um, and I say that from personal experience because I'm like, ooh, my laptop's going to help me better connect with God. 
No, I'm just going to do something stupid. So, Five uh, minutes later, he's playing Pokemon with Clint. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, I blame Clint for getting me back into Pokemon Go. But anyways, so, but the bottom line is those things just get in the way of you connecting with God, right? They just get in the way. And But one thing you should bring when you are having quiet time with God and trying to get in the prayer is your Bible. And... Most of the time, you know, I'll typically, I'll start, with, I'll start with reading scripture. I'll have my daily, you know, my reading that I'm going through that day. And then I'll transition into prayer. And I think that that's, that's just what works for me. But these are some practical tools that you can use, I think, to help you learn. It's like, okay, you know, I'm really serious about this. So, all right, let me develop a plan. And, you know, obviously, yeah, you want to do what's realistic for you. But I would say be cautious about, you know, stop trying to fit God into your schedule somewhere like, Figure schedule into God, if that makes sense. Like, make him your number one priority. That, you know, have him be the highlight of your day, not, you know, the other way around. Yeah, and I think on that, prayer is not just something that's limited to those traditional times we think about, you know, before we go to bed, before we pray. You know, God, thank you for this canes that I'm about to eat, right? Yeah, it's really going to be nourishing to my body. But, uh, anyways, I mean, I love canes, so I say that in jest. But, uh, the bottom line is that prayer should be something we do 24-7, 365. You know, it shouldn't be something that is limited to one time of the day or three times of the day. And, that, and I speak from great weakness in that because that is something that I really struggle with. Um, one thing, too, praise is also part of prayer. You know, it, it's, okay, it's okay to give God praises for the good things that are happening in your life. God created you. He created us. He, he, he wants to relish and, be, you know, and just be so happy that you're happy, that those things are happening, right? And God, I firmly believe that God wants to hear about those things. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about prayer, right? And then the second P is people. Yes, I love people. Yeah, but this is really me. So the meme says in asterisk, friends cancel plans, and then I response below, me continuing to watch Netflix because I never actually started getting ready in the first place. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. Wes's life. Yeah, Wes's life right there. That's Wes's life. And, and this is one of the areas that I struggle with the most. And, and that's because, you know, let's be real. Like, I don't, I don't enjoy... I don't enjoy being around people. It's not something that I do naturally. Um, it's something that I really have to, you know, I really have to give that over to God because he's the only way that I can do that. Um, and, you know, and in that, we have to admit where we are, you know, where we are in this idea of being around people and be honest with yourselves because, you know, if we're not being honest with ourselves, how can we be honest with God and his people? You can't, you know, you, you can't be. It's impossible. And, yeah, and on that, we have to use God's people. This isn't, we're not called to be spiritual Rambos, right? We have to use God's people, your church people, you know, and, and, and your support people, and the people that you trust that will help you understand, you know, what's going on. So, and I think that this, not I think, I know, that this is a, you know, this, this point here that I'm about to say is something that you should take home and write it down because, I, because this is something that if you don't 
get anything else from this, you know, from this topic, you know, remember this. You connect with God to connect with God's people. And you connect with God's people to better connect with God. It's a constant circle. You can't have one without the other. So ask yourself, can I fully commit to God without committing to God's people? Let me give you a freebie here. No, you can't. It's impossible. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So what does it look like to connect with God's people? Um, You know, we have our typical... Sunday mornings are cell groups, cross chats, the, you know, those different types of events. But it can, and even retreats like this, but it can go deeper. We can get on a different level with relationships, you know, when we start talking about investing in people, discipling people, you know, you're giving your life to them. And it's about giving your life, um, giving access to your life outside of these just every these weekly um, encounters. This is huge. This is huge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, so for example, like if you're going to the grocery store, take somebody with you. If you are having dinner, which how many of us eat, okay, simply invite them into your home. It, it can be things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's about truly living life together. And I know that's a phrase that our culture says all the time, and maybe flippantly, but scripture really means it. Live life together. And then there are even times where I think so much of our attention goes to reaching out to people. And don't get me wrong, like that's important. Like we want to do that. But so often we lose sight of the friendships, these relationships that have already been cultivated. And, you know, we just kind of let them, what, dwindle? Like we're not really spending time to continue fostering those and building those relationships. And nobody really wants surface level connection. And if you're one of those people that internally you're like, "Mm, yeah, me, I don't mind, you're probably lying to yourself. Um, Because if you really think about it, you'll admit that you crave deep connection. And we don't really have to make it, you know, don't make it harder than it really is. You know, when you're real, when, you know, you're just being natural, your everyday life, like, that is really attractive to people. You know, I think when we stop thinking about it so much, you know, people are kind of, you know, that's easier for us to um, get people in, whether it is reaching out to people or just, in general, our relationships that we're trying to uh, build. Yeah, and I think when you have those really deep, real, true connections, that's just going to make you all that more desirable <laughs> to, the lo- to, to those who are trying to reach for Christ. Right. right. And that's the bottom line. That's what we're trying to do. And you do that through fostering those connections with those around you. You know, you say, hey, you know, Adam, I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to pull you alongside me so we can go reach this person for Jesus, you know, or Jerry, you know. So, like, it's just, you know, so you don't think those things are separate. They're together. They're intertwined. Or that they don't have a large impact. Like, I think sometimes we might get into the routine. Like, we do it often, and so we think, like, oh, what kind of impact is this really going to do? You know, don't tell God what he can do. Like, he can use anything and in any shape or form, and he's the one that's powerful, not us, right? Yep. Amen. Amen to that. All right. So we've had prayer, and we've had people. Yay. And now we're going to be talking about practice. Practice. You know, like Alan Iverson, you know, man, we're talking about practice. But no, we're really talking about practice. But it's practice, not perfection. I think the not perfection, like, 
don't leave that off. That's really important. Um, as somebody who does struggle with perfectionism, you know, I need that reminder daily of like, God's not calling me to be perfect, you know, so I don't need to hold myself even to that expectation of that I have to have it all together or I need to have all the details lined out, you know. So as you're thinking about the prayer and people and practice, you know, keep that in mind of not perfection. It's a, a progress, progressive, you know, just um, events. Yeah. Not just something that's going to happen overnight. Right. Mm -hmm. And if we know one thing about David, who we talked about earlier, you know, it's not, he was not a perfect man, right, by any means. But it's about having that repentant life resulting in moving away from your sin, resulting in a way from choosing God, not sin. Okay? And so when you get back to your, you know, when you get back to town, went to your towns, when the tough times hit, and when you're alone, and when you're having your mountaintop moments, you know, it's, oh, yes, I'm so excited. It's like these great things are happening. Eh, I don't feel like I need to have that daily conversation with God. Those are all times when you need to connect with God. Every single one of them. All those times. When it's hard. When it's great. When it's easy. When it's, you know, when you're struggling. All of those times. And with practice comes knowing and applying Scripture. And when we're talking about this idea of knowing and applying scripture, I think so many of us get caught up in, well, that means I gotta memorize every single thing that's in this book, right? I gotta memorize it, memorize it all so I can just have it repeated you know, right off the bat when somebody asks me those hard questions I don't know. Or so, oh, let me go to scripture. And, but when we're talking about it, it's not about that. You know, it's about going in and actually studying scripture. Be like the Bereans. Right? It's going in and studying it. It's, you know, and scripture is our ultimate weapon against Satan's schemes. Right, It is, absolutely. And look at when Jesus was tempted, when he was tempted in the desert. Every time Satan came up to him, it was like, boom, scripture, boom, scripture, boom, scripture. Right? And it's almost like Jesus is saying, you know, it's not almost like he is saying, he's saying, not today, Satan. Not today. You know? <laughs> and... I didn't say it right. It's more like, not today. You know, but, and I, I, don't, I, can't, I can't say any more about it, but it's, it's, just, it's crucial. It's crucial that you go in, and one of the best analogies that I was ever told about going in and studying Scripture is that you really, you want to savor it. Like you're eating, you know, for me, it would be a steak from Ruth's Chris, right? I'm going in and I'm really just, you know, devouring that steak. I'm really savoring it. I'm not trying to power through it like a $2.99 steak from Golden Corral, okay? I don't think you, you insert your food of choice there, right? Whatever that looks like for you. But for me, that's something that really clicked because it's not just something I'm doing as a routine out of habit. It's something that I'm really, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm treasuring this this opportunity that I have to connect with God. Okay, so let's recap. We connect with God through humility, faith, and submission, right? And practically, right, Roxy, practically, <laughs> we can do that. She's doing the symbols, see? Right. Um, practically, we can do that through prayer, people, and practice. Finish it. Finish it. Not perfection, right. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and so, so we want to end with this. 
And it's Paul giving encouragement to the Philippians. And we think this type of connection, you know, this sums up, this set of verses really sums up the type of connection that we've been talking about. And it's in Philippians 4, 4 through 9. And it says, let me get to it. I even have a tab here and I still can't. There we go. All right. It's Philippians 4, 4 through 9. And it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will, I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guide your hearts, or guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Right, let's pray together. Dear Father God, Thank you so much for, for everyone in this room you know, who desires to have that deeper connection with you. And you know, as somebody who struggles with, you know, feels like they struggle with connecting with you so much, God, I'm just glad that you, that you can forgive me for that. And you can say, all right, let's, you know, let's pick it up here and you know, develop this strong connection with each other. And I'm just glad that you put people in our lives who can help spur us on you know, on towards that connection with you. And because that's what we truly desire is deep connection with God's people and even deeper connection with you. And, you know, we just pray, you know, I just pray that we take the things that we've learned and we, we take them home and we apply them, not only from this class, but from everything that we've learned this weekend from family vacation. And we take it to ultimately bring more people to you because that's what's the most important thing that we're supposed to be doing. And we just pray, pray everything in your son's name. Amen. Amen.